Hey y'all, Will here, and this is Stories with Mr. Stories. And today we have something quite different for you. Um, this podcast was recorded about uh, two weeks ago, I think. And uh, Sodi and I sat down to talk about the Wisconsin weightlifting meetup in La Crosse. Um, but before we got into it, Sodi decided to take over my podcast and ask me a bunch of questions. It definitely wasn't planned. Um, I thought we were going to sit down and talk about Wisconsin weightlifting and um, her performance because she kicked ass. Um, and instead, she interviewed me about um, autism. And uh, this was recorded before I had a um, an official diagnosis. She really wanted to know about my experiences with weightlifting and what I do while um, being on the autism spectrum. And at the time I didn't have the formal diagnosis. So um, during this podcast, I'll say things like, um, I'm not formally diagnosed or we're pretty sure I have autism or I have strong indications of autism spectrum disorder. But since this uh, recording of this podcast, I was um, lucky enough to be able to get evaluated as an adult, which is a huge pain in the ass if you've ever had anyone you know go through it or if you've gone through it yourself, you know it's pretty challenging. So. Um, that's what this podcast is. Um, so, um, I kind of wanted to, um, release this because I think it's kind of cool, um, to talk a little bit more about my experiences in weightlifting. Um, and since it's autism acceptance month, um, I figured having my story out there would, um, be nice, I guess. (laughs) So... Uh, here we go. Um, this is uh, Sodi's podcast now, apparently, um, and I really hope you enjoy. Um, and uh, thank you for listening um, to my experiences if you decide to stick around. But um, I'm just going to hand it off now, so enjoy. Um, okay, so uh, who are you? My name is Alyssa, otherwise known as Sodi, and I'm a friend and weightlifter. Nice. How long have you been weightlifting? 2019. I thought you were going to say 20 years. <sighs> <laughs> you yes, started I off was, so strong. I was six when I started. Yeah. No. A true champion. But yeah, since 2019. Okay. And how, how long have you been lifting? Uh, since 2015. 14 is technically when I started to like actually learn what a snatch and a clean and jerk was. Before that, did you know what weightlifting was? Bef- before that, I was a um, lump. Okay. Yeah, I didn't do anything. So this is like the first, like I went into weightlifting weighing like 285 pounds and like uh, the least athletic thing you've ever seen. Okay, so you started weightlifting when you were 285 pounds. Yeah, at the time I was like 267 because I was just trying to lose weight um, by doing like, um, I used to go on like long runs, which were like, you know, jogs. Because even my running now is like, my sprints are most people's like brisk jogs. So um, I would go on these like really long quote unquote runs. Okay. Yeah, before that. I have a question related to that. Okay. So you most likely have undiagnosed autism. Yeah. And Emily and I were talking about this the other day at how that must be very, very difficult 
for weightlifting, but because you're you're highly in tune with all of this sensory input, and that was probably hard to go through such intense weight loss because with that body change, like you're also very in tune with your body and all that sensory input. So what was that like? Um, well, I also have a very like obsessive, um, personality. Um, and so when I started weightlifting and I just like knew it was what I wanted to do, I didn't even know I wanted to do. I just thought it was incredibly fascinating. And then I realized that like someone was willing to teach me how to do it. So it was, it was a, it was like a year of just learning as much as I possibly could about this sport that I knew nothing about. And while also like training, like my whole life essentially, because you can have like an obsessive personality, but like one of the Mm -hmm. like fixations, right? So it like took over everything. Um, and I've learned to like put some different things in place to make sure like fixations, like don't do that to me anymore. But, um, I, uh, I, so I just like literally everything was about weightlifting. I spent like two and a half to three hours a day doing mobilizations. Um, I like my, every podcast I listened to, like every YouTube video, like everything was all about weightlifting. Um, and so the like things that were going on in my body were kind of like secondary to all of that. Um, and with the amount of sensory information happening at one time. So if you talk to anyone that I used to train with um, when I was in college, I cried a lot um, because it was just so hard to like take in everything. Yeah. Um, it was, it's also just a frustrating sport, but it would just happen because of like everything happening all the time. Um, and there wasn't really, I had no idea what was going on. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I mean like it was, it was really, it was tough. It was, um, it was really hard, but like I, again, fixations, like I wasn't gonna, I, I just didn't know how to stop. Um, so yeah, uh, it was tough, but, I knew it was what I wanted to do and I wasn't gonna not do it. The sensory yeah. stuff I got used to pretty quickly. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I'm really thankful that a lot of the people who were like, if they didn't, if they thought, I'm sure they were like maybe making fun of me behind my back, but like uh, up close and personal, they were very supportive and just trying their best to um, like show me what to do. and. Um, sort of take everything in stride um, so well I'm impressed with how far you've come and I'm sure it's hard to make technical changes I don't know I don't know what it's like for you but I'm just curious to know because like when Emily and I were talking you changing your start position for example changes how your feet feel in your shoes it changes like and it's that might look different for someone who doesn't have autism, you know, changing a technical thing. Like, what is that like? Um, It used to be a lot more challenging. Um, Basically, when Greg started coaching me, 
um, I was able to just kind of turn that analytical part of my brain off. Um, and because I like had a hundred percent trust in what he was telling, telling me to do. And not that I didn't have trust with my other coaches, but with Greg, I just like, I, um, like I, we had a, like, we talked about all the things like it happened in my past and stuff. And so, um, when I like, when he started coaching me, it was just like, whatever he says goes and it doesn't matter what it feels like. Just do what he thinks is best unless like I'm hurting right then um, probably fix something, but it's a lot easier now, but before you're right, like, um, and my sensory issues aren't necessarily like, um, everything's heightened. Um, it's just like hard to cope with. If something doesn't feel right, like it, it makes everything really hard. So like a really good example, and I, I know a lot of people can relate to this, um, is like, you know, when you have like a crunchy t-shirt, or if you have a t-shirt yes. that's like 100% cotton, but a really crappy 100% cotton. Yes. And it's just kind of like frustrating, right? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel good. To me, it feels almost like it's made out of knives. And okay. it's like the only thing I can focus on is how terrible it feels. Um, and there's n- nothing I can do to co- Like there's literally, I can't concentrate. I can't think. I can't do anything until I like get rid of that stimulus. And okay, so like a good example, Ray and I went on a date, (laughs) like we were married at the time, so she knew what she was getting into. But um, I had worn a shirt that I was like, I'm sure this shirt is okay. I only wear a very specific style of shirt. Um, And it's because of this reason. So I got, it's a nicer shirt, whatever. It's it's still a t-shirt, but I like had a, like a nicer sweater over it, whatever. So we're like out on this date and I can just start to feel like that's, I call it being sensey, but like, um, just like everything is harsher. It's like, Mm -hmm. um, Oh God. It's like, like I said, it feels like cotton turned into like needles and like this noises are just so much, it just it's just harsher it's like you have a pair of headphones on and everything that you think is going to sound good just sounds really harsh and like just really hard to hear and it makes it hard to focus it makes it hard to like navigate through the world yeah um uh so we were on this date and i'm starting to feel that happen and i'm like freaking out internally because we're married but i'm still like wanting to like you know not be a dweeb so i'm sitting there freaking out internally and i'm like trying to play it cool but she knows like i can't really i'm not very good at hiding um uh what's going on inside Mm -hmm. um so i'm like i can do this i can like chill and she like sees me and she knows that like whenever i'm in that sort of position i can't talk like i can't bring myself to speak because it's just every like I said just everything becomes so much harder and um so she like ordered for me and stuff um we ate and it was just like a quiet thing and I was just like having this internal freak out the whole time because I knew she really wanted to go to dinner I was like I'm just gonna get through this um and I almost like if it weren't cold out I would have just taken my shirt off like literally 
in the parking lot as we were leaving but the whole time home i was just like i need to get i feel like i'm not right in my skin and ray doesn't have a driver's license so she couldn't like drive so i had to like fucking just focus on this one task and so we get home i literally get through the front door i take off most of my clothes and i just like go into our room and i throw the covers over me and i turn all the lights off and i just have to be there for like a good like 10 to 15 minutes and then i can breathe a little bit and then it's like things just become a little bit easier um but after like something like that happens it's hard to bounce back like it takes a while to like feel okay with like interacting with the world again yeah um how do you deal with like those uncontrollables at the gym or at meets uh not well (laughs) um like you know for example when other people at the gym are being really loud or they're getting in your space or things like that yeah um well so i train when no one else really is there except Um, for me except for you right Um, and i annoy you sometimes (laughs) that's not true (laughs) sometimes it is hard to like keep focus on things um but like it's fun to train with you and i do better when you're around so um but um i wear like uh you've seen them like my little earplugs yes um ray calls them my people pods um i think we actually got that name from a friend of mine down in florida where did you get those um so i got those after the crossfit games um because the crossfit games were in madison and um before so i got those um um, my now brother-in-law got them for me at uh garage what's the not garage um guitar center oh i was thinking of garage band because they have the same like guitar as like the anyway um guitar center like 25 bucks and they are the lifesavers i literally can't go anywhere without them um because noise is like my biggest like sensory like issue um so i wear those and that usually helps but sometimes it just like it gets too rough um so i'll go hide under a table it's typically my go-to and there's usually why a table uh because i can i can like more easily like control the stimulus there like i can more easily close my eyes and not like see lights or anything like that um i'll put in headphones and i'll just blast like heavy metal because it 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 sounds crazy because like (laughs) but noise is one of your bigger like stimulus issues but if it's the only thing i can focus on it like makes everything else kind of drown out so um that's typically what i end up doing um but i got the people pods at the crossfit games because it was at that point the loudest event i'd ever been to like photographing and it was oh, wow. challenging i couldn't like i in the coliseum i had to be like so far away from everything to just function um but i'm really glad i discovered those before i went to worlds because worlds was it was a it, like it seems like a big venue but it was really pretty small and it was just so loud all the time um because they had like a bunch of uzbeks just in there with like trumpets and drums and stuff um just beating away at things um so yeah typically just hiding so this makes sense why you are interested in 
videoing or photographing. Wait, photographing? Jesus. <laughs> photography? <laughs> that like heavy metal band. Because yeah. that seems to be helpful for you. So yeah. that's an ideal situation. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Do you know other athletes with autism? Um, more recently, yeah. Um, and it wasn't something that I thought was like super... Because it's becoming more uh, of a thing for people to like find out they have autism like later in life. Um, so uh, my friend Mallory, she's up in um, Canada. She's like 34 and she just found out she had autism last year. And what's weird is like you, for me anyway, and it sounds like it was kind of this way for her too, was like you don't. Like, you don't necessarily understand why all these things in your life, like, don't make sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And you just kind of think that everyone's going through that same thing. Um, So, for a good example for me is, like, I just went through my whole life assuming that no one else knew how to, like, pick up on social cues or, like, understand jokes or sarcasm well. Um, Until it was, like pointed out to me that like I was just picking up on nothing like someone was talking to me it was like it was talking to a brick wall when they were like trying to tell jokes and I didn't realize they were joking um so it's like things like that and so for a lot of people who are uh getting diagnosed like later in life it's a it's like a okay cool everything that I thought didn't make sense in my life now makes sense um seems to be like kind of a relief in in your situation huge yeah um and if for for nothing else other than to just have the validation that i'm not insane yeah right like that's a that's a big thing and that doesn't seem like a big thing like you don't necessarily think like having a diagnosis like changes anything but if just like having that like assurance that like no you're not crazy you're not like faking these experiences like they're not something that you can control it's just something that happens because you uh you were born with a different like you were born with a different structure you were born with a different whatever so um i didn't necessarily learn about like um i guess i i I, i'm saying these like high functioning but i don't necessarily know if that's like the right or like the 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 most acceptable way to say it, but like, I didn't realize that that was a thing. Yeah. Um, and a lot of my whole childhood, I was told by uh, uh, my father in particular that like any of his kids that um, if they did have autism or if they had Down syndrome or anything like that, that um, like get rid of them somehow. Wow. Um, so. That's horrible. Yeah. So like, I spent zero time. Um, in my childhood, even considering like, I mean, and if you're, I was like functioning high enough that like you can get by with a lot of things. Um, or you can pass it off as something else, you know, being a kid, yeah, people just think, well, they're, they're quiet or, you know, they're lashing out because of what's going on at home or whatever it is. Um, I feel like it can be passed off as a lot of different things where, you know, if you don't get it looked into. Yeah. Yeah. And I certainly didn't want to. I mean, there were a couple of things that like, for as long as I can remember, I've had sensory issues. And I just thought, um, 
well, there's no way I have any sort of like, because I knew it was a thing that um, individuals with autism had, but I'm like, well, obviously that's not me because if it was me, my dad would have killed me a long time ago. Oh my gosh. So like, it was just like, well, that's not a possibility. That is horrifying. <laughs> I didn't have a great childhood. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> it's whatever. Um, but yeah, so I mean, and there are a couple other athletes I'm talking to um, now who are thinking that they potentially also have autism um, from different life experiences and from different things that they're like seeing in their personal lives and things like that. So um, I think it's good that more people are being able to like come to the realization, but also just like it being more of a, more of a thing that like there are like autism is on a spectrum, like it's Mm -hmm. autism spectrum disorder because they're, many forms and like it looks different on everyone um and so i think it's just bringing that more to light well i'm glad you're here thanks me and too. i'm glad you exist wow thanks great <laughs> yeah that was, uh, that was nice <laughs> jesus christ we came in here talking about weightlifting I know, shit. we're getting deep <laughs> um wait so since you have kind of realized that you likely have autism and it sounds like you're going to actually get a diagnosis soon. Yeah. Potentially. Um, have you been able to find resources to help or or just even like a community to connect with? Um, I guess more so communities. Um, and that's mostly just kind of like people who um, are open to... Like Mallory, when I was like talking, because I knew that she she's very um, open about her experience um, with being diagnosed, but then also just having autism um, as an adult, and um, it's been nice to find more people like that, more people like coming around saying like, oh yeah, I was um, diagnosed with ASD or whatever. Um, the weird, it's, it's really hard, and I don't know if this is just a Wisconsin thing. Or if this is a was uh, I was gonna say a Wisconsin thing or a Wisconsin thing, or if it's just like <laughs> a Madison issue, I reckon it's probably a little bit more um, like universal than that. But for people with for uh, adults with autism um, to find resources um, and therapies are pretty challenging, um, and I don't I I, I I get that it's like becoming. A thing now where more individuals are coming uh coming into adulthood and like learning this about themselves um and so it's like relatively fresh but it's hard to find like good resources and good therapies and stuff um because i think i was talking to you about this like every therapist i've gone to um because i also have <laughs> comorbidities um uh, like anxiety, depression, PTSD, but that PTSD is more to do with, um, that childhood I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, they helped me out there, but then, um, like it just, it, you get to a certain point and they're like, I don't know how to help you anymore because this sounds like something that's beyond my scope or this sounds like something I don't have a specialty in. Um, so it gets a little bit more challenging that way. And what's frustrating is like you can find therapists who specialize with working with individuals with autism, but you typically have to have a diagnosis and guess who they don't diagnose? Adults, Adults. with autism. Yeah, exactly. So um, it's been it's been a really uh, it's been really challenging to 
find um, resources, but also just find a diagnosis in general. If it wasn't for um, this person like coming up and saying like, hey, I have the tools to do this and I can do this for you. And it's not gonna be very conventional because um, we're gonna be like, not in Wisconsin, um, it's gonna be like a private practice sort of situation where you're not like in a hospital setting. Um, but that's like the only way I could find to, cause I looked through like everywhere in my insurance network. I looked everywhere for just like private practices who didn't use insurance. Um, and if you're not using insurance, it's a little bit easier to find, but if you're looking for, cause you just have to talk to like a neuropsych, right? Um, or like a, uh, PhD or whatever. Um, there's a couple of specifications you need. So if you don't use insurance, it's easier to find. Yes. So if you want to pay a million dollars, you can find what you need. Exactly. Excellent. Yeah. I love healthcare. Well, healthcare is great. <laughs> but yeah, it was going to cost like upwards of 1500 just oh. to, just to have them do the paperwork. Cause they like, once you, uh, from my understanding, and I could be quite wrong about this, so like, don't quote me, but from my understanding, uh, they put you through a few scenarios and they just kind of interview you and see how you interact with the world around you. Um, but then they have to write up a report and that's where like, that's where it costs a lot of money is all the paperwork that goes in along with it for some reason. So, um, that's like the big thing that costs a lot of money is the report that they have to do afterwards. And then that report goes to your primary and then it somehow gets on your medical record and then you can actually get resources wow. and stuff from what I understand. That's scary. Like going yeah. to a bunch of therapists and them saying, I can't help you. Yeah. It gets really That's tough. horrible. It's tough. Um, and like, it's been hard. Like if, if, it, if it weren't for, um, Ray, like really pushing for me to get more help. Um, cause she's great, but like, this is not like, a. I need to rely on my partner to get, help mm -hmm. me through all that. Like I need to be able to like figure this out by myself. Um, with, it, with support. Yeah, of course with support. Right. Um, and she's great, but like, um, if it weren't for her pushing me to like find a diagnosis and find therapists I can actually help with um it, the like with the mo most likely um it's tough because I, I want to say like having autism but I don't technically have the diagnosis yet I just have strong indications yeah of having ASD um but to get someone who can help me um to deal with that but then also all the other um like mental health issues uh that I have because of a um, because of my childhood and because of um, uh, trauma and stuff and like, all right, I understand your childhood happened. Whatever, like everyone has a bad childhood. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Well, okay, maybe not. But like everyone who, I think it's important for everyone to go to therapy at least, if nothing else, to just like help them out in their personal lives. Like, I think yeah. it's, it could be useful for everyone. Um, I agree. But if you were threatened to be murdered, like on a daily basis for 18 years of your life, um, and beaten and like whipped and there's just, there's all these things like, 
it, it becomes like it's hard it's it's tough to deal with and so um i know there's a stigma around um going to therapy and getting help with your mental health but it's fucking important yes. if you're going through things and you need help just it's it's i don't want to say it's weak it's worse for everyone around you if you don't seek help yes so um, i agree yeah well that's awesome i mean and therapy is really hard work too yeah so good for you yeah it's not fun it's hard sucks yeah i mean it's good but it sucks yeah yeah what's it like being neurotypical (laughs) (laughs) god wait i have another question okay (laughs) let me just interrogate you on your own podcast that's fair honestly this is probably going to be its own thing and then we'll talk about the way that we meet afterwards because i think we've been yeah i didn't know we were going to talk about the meat oh really no, you said we're talking. We're gonna talk about weightlifting. Oh yeah. Well, I was talking about like the the cross meet. Oh. Cause I yeah. I we lifted. We did lift. Um, so how has weightlifting impacted your mental health and your likely having autism? How has that impacted you? Uh, it's given me an outlet, um, and so um, it's given me a place to. Um, to take out aggression i guess um because again my childhood um i didn't have a good representation of what it's like to take care of frustrations um uh i was taught um this is getting heavy i was taught to um take frustrations out by um hurting and manipulating people um or um like sexually harassing people or assaulting people and that's just what the like that's what i was that's that was what i was shown was the right way to like handle aggression wow um and so weightlifting has given me a a really healthy way to um handle frustrations um and it's it's fun but like it's more it's so much more for like my mental health to have that outlet um of something where i can just like take out the aggressions um that i have instead of just kind of letting them fester um and i don't think that like um exercise and stuff should be a replacement for um like getting mental health services Mm -hmm. or getting therapy but um it's really good day to day to just help you like it helped me, excuse me, help me cope, um, with, uh, how rough it is to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but also the fixation thing. So it gets really frustrating sometimes. Um, cause I don't necessarily have a good way of stopping myself if things go south which i think you've experienced this a couple times with me where it's like i will like if it's written down i i have to do it and to talk yourself out of it is way more challenging than talking yourself into it um ray was telling me about like this um inertia something inertia something something oh yeah no okay i was like (laughs) shit she told me too nice (laughs) 
Um, but no, it's like this idea that like for individuals with autism, it's it's hard to start something, and then once you start doing it, it's hard to stop doing it. Um, and I can't remember what the fuck it's called. Oh, I don't either. But like you get the what I'm saying, yeah. right? Where it's like it's hard to like bring yourself to do something. Um, and so she like when she brought this example up to me, it's like I don't have a hard time starting things. She's like, well. Here's an example of what you did the other day. And I was like, oh, okay. I see what you're saying now. Um, but, like, having a routine to, like, get into something, and then once you're into it, like, you can't stop yourself. Um, and she's seen a lot with my work. Um, a little bit obsessive. Yeah. Okay. It's like the fixation thing. But yeah. it's, like, hard to bring yourself to get into the fixation. But once you're in it, you're, like, locked into it. Nothing's going to stop yes. you sort of thing. So how does that impact greg's programming for you i mean i'm sure he's very aware of it and like things he writes for you sometimes have to be flexible yeah um otherwise you will do it and and you won't give up until you do it (laughs) all even though your body's telling you to take a break or whatever it is yeah um it kind of manifests itself in a um, sort of a deal I have with myself and I think I had to institute this um, uh, after a couple of sessions where I like tried to do a movement and I physically couldn't so I was like okay I'm going to figure this out and then I like just beat myself into oblivion and then I was like okay I'm going to try it again tomorrow and then I did the same thing and just beat myself into oblivion um, so just like if I and this just goes back to trust, right? And so, like, I trust that whatever Greg has programmed for me is, like, something he thinks I can do. Mm-hmm. And I will try my best to do it. Um, but he's also told me that, like, if it's not happening, that's okay. I need you to move in such a way that, like, you know it's right. Or, like, it feels closer to right than not. Um <laughs> So it's been helpful to have Greg um, as my coach because I do, like, trust him and whatever he's doing or saying 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, um, and so it, it's a lot easier to, like, he told me this, and I have it, like, saved in my phone. I think I took a screenshot of it. And so anytime I'm, like, questioning myself, I, like, look back at it and, like, okay – Take a deep breath. What's the right thing to do in this moment? Um, it's hard to do, but like, um, it helps. And the 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 trust thing goes. Uh, I uh, so one of the things that I'm not good at is picking up on social cues, social interactions. I'm really easily manipulated. Um, okay. And this has bit me in the ass. Interesting. All the time. Yeah. Um, so when i say that like i trust greg 100 it it doesn't mean that i don't trust other people it just means that like him and amy are the two people in weightlifting that like whatever they say is gospel because i know they both know what's going on and they know like how easily manipulated i am um and so they're very cautious about who I interact with and stuff. I lean on Amy okay. a lot. Like if I am like thinking about doing something 
um, or if like someone comes to me with an opportunity, I usually use her as a sounding board and like, hey, do you know anything about this person? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple other people I use, like Adam White. Um, he's a good friend of mine down in Austin. Um, I trust in him 100%. Um, so there's just a few people that like I lean really heavily on to help me navigate the world. Um, so before, uh, like I, it, 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 it's just tough, right? Because the other people that I had coaching me before, um, I couldn't, one of them turned out I definitely couldn't trust at all. And that kind of yeah. sucked because I did put all my trust into them and then it went sideways, but I didn't have like the necessary, I didn't necessarily have the understanding of what was going on. Yeah. Um, like at that point I didn't quite know, like I had the inkling that like, I'm probably somewhere on the spectrum, but I didn't know to what extent and I didn't really know what that meant. Um, so this is back in like 2020, like early 2020 going into late 2020 where I started to have this realization that I most likely am on the spectrum somewhere, but I just didn't know what it meant or like the Mm -hmm. extent of it. Um, and, um, once I kind of realized that that was something that, I, at very least, if it's not me being on the spectrum, it's something I know about myself is I, um, I need to, I, I, I trust in people very easily. Um, but then like I trust in the wrong people cause I just trust everyone. So, um, it was just like finding like, okay, here are my people that I can like rely on yeah. who I know are not going to screw me over. Um, and just kind of like going that route. That's interesting. I guess when I think of autism, I usually think of like social cues, humor, but I didn't realize that it can be a really scary world when people don't have your best interest at heart. Yeah. I mean, like, and I don't necessarily know if that is through um, autism or personal experiences that have led me to be so um, like trusting immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, but my not being able to pick up on if I'm being manipulated or not is certainly something that goes along with like social interactions and, Mm -hmm. um, like not picking up on sarcasm and stuff. Like I just assume like whatever anyone's saying, I, I assume it's like true (laughs) until proven otherwise. Yeah which with some people like Greg, I just know, like I have to, I, I listen to him with a very good filter. Cause I know he like uses sarcasm a lot. And so he'll say something and then I'll process it for a couple seconds. And then I'll be like, okay, that was probably sarcasm. <laughs> Move on. Um, but like every time he like, I don't know if he can like see this, but, um, I, I think a couple people have like picked up on it. Like he'll say something. And I'll just like, your face, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, all right, all right, all right. Think, think, think. Okay, probably fine. And then go. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I. It's hard to like have that filter, but like it's it's good to have it once in a while. But like it's to go through your entire like social interactions, like just having to have that filter on all the time is pretty exhausting. So I just tend to not. And then if someone says something, I'm just like, cool. That's true. And then they're like, no, that was definitely, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Not true. Nice. <laughs> I've started to get into the habit of saying that was sarcastic afterwards. Yeah. Just because I can see like the search on your face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, Ray actually, um, when I first met her family, 
um, had to explain to them that like this was something I have trouble with is like understanding sarcasm or understanding jokes. So if you need me to understand that something was sarcasm, you have to say it because otherwise I'm going to just assume that you <laughs> meant verbatim what you said. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Also, you are very resilient. Thanks. It definitely doesn't feel that way sometimes. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It's a compliment, but also you don't have to be like, I understand there are probably times that you aren't, you know, you don't exactly feel resilient and that's totally fine. But holy shit, you have been through a lot and I admire your ability to try new things and suck at new things. And I think that's why that's part of the reason you're so successful. I mean, I see you as successful. You can define success however you want, but um, I think that's awesome. Thanks. So good job. Good job doing life, human. I'm trying real hard for, well, literally everyone can't see me. I just did the like. Thumbs up cheesing. Thumbs up, yeah. Thumbs up cheesing. Got it. Trying real hard. Um, so thanks for, uh, interviewing me on my own podcast, I guess. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. I have no idea how long it's been. Oh, this has been 41 minutes. Are you okay. cool to talk about weightlifting? Yeah. Okay. I think what we'll do is just, um, I literally think I'm just going to do two podcasts. I okay. think we're just going to start with a different, uh, is that cool? With yeah. You? All right.